All right, so we are going to get going. Hosea chapter 8, part 3. And so we're just going to uh, go through kind of the outline of the book real quick on the review on your handout there. The outline of the book was chapter 1 through 3 is an unfaithful wife to a faithful husband. Now, who was Hosea's wife? It seems like it's been a long time since we talked about her. Gomer. So Gomer was the unfaithful wife. And again, going through uh, the minor prophet book of Hosea, you know, God uses him for an object lesson for us. And he, and, and what, what have you ever thought about, does God ever use us for an object lesson to the people around us? You know, I'm sure he does. And hopefully it's a good object lesson. And, you know, uh, people are watching what we do. Kids watch what we do. Other people watch what our neighbors watch what we do and how we react. And so we need to be uh, we need to be a faithful servant to Christ. And we need to let that shine every day in our life. And and, and I know we all have uh, moments that are not the best, you know, that we don't act the best. And I'm probably right on top of that. But at the same time, we need to realize what we say and what we do, people do notice. And so uh, Hosea and Gomer was an object lesson to the nation of what an unfaithful wife looked like, which goes right to verse or chapters 4 through 7, and that states that an unfaithful... We talked about an unfaithful wife, and 1 through 3, and in chapters 4 through 7, we have an unfaithful Israel to a faithful God. So an unfaithful wife to a faithful husband and an unfaithful Israel to a faithful God. So again, the example was, was Gomer being unfaithful to Hosea was an example of the nation of Israel and specifically the ten northern tribes of being unfaithful to their God. And so we've seen that in chapters 4 through 7. And then chapters 8 through 10, in your handout there, the blank goes, the judgment, judgment goes in your blank, uh, the blank space, the judgment of Israel for their unfaithfulness. So in chapters 8 through 10, we're really going to see Israel just get slammed. And when you look at it and you don't understand where Israel came from and you look at and you look at what's happening to Israel and it's like, man, God, you're kind of rough on these people, aren't you? And then you and but then when you go back and look at all the things these people did and it's a wonder why God if God hadn't given them a covenant that he would what he would do to them in the end times, they would have been destroyed. They would have already been destroyed. And you know, it's it's kinda of like us. You know, we may have we we may have people that that we put up with, <laughs> okay, or we may have businesses we put up with, you know. And I, I've told people that you know one of my banks. I finally got to a point where I could not put up with them anymore, so I got rid of that bank and kept my other bank or two. But I'm like, there are certain things when you just get to the. You, you get it all the way up to your neck, and you're like, that's it. That's that's as far as I can go. 
And so that's how God was with the nation of Israel. And then chapters 11 through 14, which we're going to talk about in the weeks coming up, is the restoration of Israel. So again, it's the same old story all the way through the, the minor prophets. It's like Israel does what's right, Israel does what's wrong, they get judged for doing what's wrong, and then uh, almost to the point where they get wiped out, and then at the very end, it's God restores them. And so you sit there and you go through the book and you go through all the minor prophets and you go, well, it's okay. It's going to be all right because, you know, even though they go away from God, God's going to bring them back. Well, that's good, but what about all those people in the the meantime? And it's like, even today, it's like, okay, so God's going to pull the church out of here in a few days or weeks, or minutes, I don't know how long, and it's like, okay, it's going to be all right. God's going to pull them out. He's going to pull us out. But what about all the people around us that we are supposed to be a witness for? What about those people? So that's what should break our heart. And the same thing happened with Hosea. Same thing happened with God. It broke his heart when these people, which were his people, basically turned their nose at him and, and, and just walked away from God and then wanted to know why God was upset with them. So there are two great lessons that we've been seeing here in the book of Hosea. Number one is too many people will reject God's word and as a result, it will destroy their life now as well in the future. People don't realize that. People don't realize they're all in it for the now. But they don't realize, you know, it's it's one of those questions that we ask people when we're trying to witness to them. If you would, if you died tonight, where would you go? And you know, most people don't think about that. But I've had people that I know that were saved because of somebody asking them that question. And that's a really good line, actually. When when you see somebody, go, do do you know what would happen to you if you died tonight? Where would you be? And so uh, it. People need to think about that. So too many people reject God's word, and as a result, it will destroy their life now as well as in the future. And then number two, God's word is always going to be fulfilled. God's word is always going to be fulfilled. All right. So, hi guys. Hi. Okay. So... Uh, we're going to get to uh, chapter 8 and verse 1, just a little bit of review from the last couple of weeks. And so the verse tells us that destruction is coming. Destruction is coming. So destruction goes in your blank. And so uh, we talked about that. So when, when I say that destruction is coming, that's the who. And we saw that under your bullet points there, the king of Assyria, the king of Babylon, and the Antichrist, all three of them were wrapped up there. And so, in fact, let's go to Hosea chapter 8 and verse... Let me get to where we need to be. We'll have it open. And we'll just review that real quickly. It says, Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. So the he there, and we already studied that out, was the king of Assyria was coming. But then later on, the king of Babylon was coming. And yet later and future still, who's coming? The Antichrist is coming. 
and that's basically destruction. Okay, and then at the the second half of verse one, we saw the why. Okay, so the who and the why, the reason for the destruction. So destruction again goes in your blank, and then we spent a lot of time last or two weeks ago with Solomon, with Rehoboam, and with Jeroboam. And so, what did Jer- what did Solomon do that messed up everybody? If you guys, I'm trying to ask questions of a couple weeks ago. What was it that Solomon did that was really a major downfall? He went after other gods. Okay, he went after other gods, and as a result, what happened? I'll pick on Ron for a little bit. As a result of, of Solomon going after false gods, what, ha- what did God do to him? He split the kingdoms. He split the kingdom. Okay. I'm picking on Ron, and he wouldn't even, hadn't even been here. But, um, but I knew he knew the answer. Pretty sharp guy. So a lot of times we think, well, the reason that the, the kingdom was split was because of Rehoboam. He made that brash decision, remember, when all the people came to him, and they, and they said, hey, if your dad was really uh, tough on us, and if you'll just lighten up a little bit, tax us a little bit less, we'll follow you. And then again, he went back and followed what the young guy said, and when they said, you know, we're, uh, you know, you, you tell them you're going to be a lot tougher than your dad was, you know, and uh, so he did that. And so most people think, well, that's the reason why the kingdom was split. Well, it, it's a direct reason, but the main reason why God allowed it to be split was because Solomon started serving false gods. That was it. Okay, and then we went to uh, Rehoboam, like I said, and then Jeroboam. Remember Jeroboam? Who was Jeroboam? No, Jeroboam was the king for the northern tribes. He was the first king. And God told him, I'll set you up, and if you just obey me and obey my laws, then I'll set your house up after you. And the first thing that that, uh, Jeroboam did was set up two false idols. So exactly what God told him not to do. I mean, it was the opposite. So the reason for the destruction, the reason why God is going to allow the northern kingdom to be taken away into uh, destruction or into Assyria is because of them disobeying what God said. And so a lot of the times, you know, we've got to realize that God will always judge his people including us. When we're doing what's wrong, God's always going to judge us, okay? And it's a lot better to do that 1 John 1, 9 sooner than later. When we do it later, it really hurts. So. how many times. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. To sin, yes. And then it just followed right along the, the yeah. after him. So... So we spent a lot of time two weeks ago going through that. But I want to go back to Leviticus chapter 26 today. So let's go back and look at that. Leviticus 26. Because when you go through some of the judgments that that happened to the northern kingdom and to Judah, and you're like, no, wait a minute. Did Did these people really understand what was going to happen if they disobeyed God? 
Right. Did God really warn him enough, like you said? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when you find it, you'll see it. So Leviticus 26. And it's really good for us. And so, um, let's just read this one. Because this was God's plan for Israel. Leviticus chapter 26. I'll just start in verse 1. It says, Ye shall make ye no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land, or bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. How, how plain is that? It's pretty plain, right? Verse 2. And ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my covenants or my commandments and do them. So there's three things, if, keep, and do. Verse 4, then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And their threshing shall reach into the vintage, and the vintage shall reach into the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword." And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. So, so far, does it sound pretty good? Because the first thing, it's like, when, when you plant things, you're gonna, everything that you plant, you're gonna have enough till the, till the fall, and then you're gonna have enough from, from when you reap it to when you plant again. It's just going to be constant. And that's just the starting. And he gets down here and five of you shall chase a hundred. Now anybody math people in here? What percentage is that? It's like 5%. Okay. That's 5%. So 5% is all you need. Okay? But then it goes a little farther and it says, And a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. So what's that? One percent. So immediately, you know what I think of when I when I read that, I'm like, okay. So how many did Gideon have? Yeah. How many? Three hundred. How many people do you think he was fighting? I went back and looked. I couldn't find it. It doesn't say. It says. Well, it says it's like the the sand of the sea seaside or seashore. So it's like, wow. I mean, that's that's it. I mean. One percent, five percent. So, in other words, if you if you have God on your side, you've only got to have God in the first place. That's it. And I'm 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 reading through uh, uh, Deuteronomy right now, and they're getting ready to go in and and spy out the land and all that. And I'm sitting there thinking, guys, if you'd have just trusted God, what's what's going on? And then I look at my life, and I'm just as bad. But <laughs> but I'm like, yeah. So I'm thinking of that. Okay, so five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemy shall f- fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make your and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. Again, that covenant just keeps popping up again. Every it's one of those words in the Old Testament and New Testament. Remember, you know, back early in the year we went through some of the covenants. 
and when and uh, it's always God establishing a covenant. Verse ten, and ye shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new, and I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you and be your God, and ye shall be my people, and I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, and ye should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke. And made you go upright. So everything's good so far. And then we get to 14 and we have another one of those big buts in the Bible. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes or your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague. Now, I have no idea what that is. So I'm going to have to try this. I, I tried to look it up, but I can't find anything on it really right now. It's like a death fever. Like a, it's something to do with a, with a fire. I do know that. But, uh, so it's like a, a fever, huh? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like a burning hot fever. And... Okay. I, don't know. I know they used to call it the ague when um, you read the old. Okay. Which are partially, I think, are partially nonfiction little house in the prairie books. There were some people that had the ague, and they were seriously ill. Really? Yeah. Like when they use Bible words, can you figure that out? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny because I've I've watched those stories and read those books, and I don't remember that. But okay. I believe you. That shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, verse 17, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. Now that's a total opposite of the other, of if they're obeying him. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken to me, then I will punish you seven times more. For your sins, and I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass, and your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if you walk contrary unto me, and, and will not hearken to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I'll stop there for a second. I mean, it just keeps going. And so, um, so the, at the beginning of the chapter, it went up to verse 14. So 13 verses of, if you obey me, this is what will happen. And then from verse 14 all the way to 46 is basically what's going to happen when they don't. So it's like more, boy, that's, that's more things going against you than what's going for you. And it's like, um, it's like, you know, it gives you a, a, a different type of a reverence for God at this point, doesn't it? It's like, you know, we're supposed to fear the Lord and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, how do you how do you fear the Lord? Because, you know, he's he's our heavenly father. Of course, in the New Testament, yes, he is our heavenly father. But at the same time, we need to reverence him. We need to, and we actually do need to fear him because when we go against what he says, we will pay the price. And so, I don't know if I want to read the whole rest of this chapter here, but it just keeps going on. In verse 22, he says, He'll send a wild beast among them. Um, I and looked it, up ague on my 
form and it says it's a fever such as malaria and it's chills, fever, and sweating that reoccur at the same time. Okay. So it is has to do with a fever and and a something physically among the people. So um, and I also remember when he told them that they wouldn't have sickness and he wouldn't have diseases like they did in the land of of Egypt when if they would obey him. And yet all these things are coming to pass on them. Okay. Um, well, we've got time. Let's just keep reading this a little bit. Verse 23 says, And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, verse 23, then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. So again, he keeps bringing up the seven times. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. So I'll stop right there. So that's basically what's getting ready to take place with the northern tribe uh, that Hosea has been trying to prophesy and and speak with, and we know that within 30 years of Hosea prophesying to the 10 northern tribes, they are carried away into captivity. So it's a very short time. And so my whole point in all this was way back when they first, all the way back in the Leviticus, God warned them and he gave them exactly what would happen if they disobeyed him and what would happen if they did obey him. So Back in the book of Hosea. Let's go back there for a little bit. Finish up today. Chapter 8. And from verse 2 to the end of the, of the book, in, in verse 14, is basically, back in your handout, it, it is the facts of the destruction. So I've just put some bullet points out here. Because uh, we're just going to kind of read through that and, and look at some of the facts, some of the things that God is going to bring upon the nation because of their disobedience. Okay. And so verse 2 says, and so I'm going to have you guys help me go through this list because i got a bunch of bullet points here. It starts off, it says, verse 2, chapter 8, says, Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. So they're going to cry unto God because they're going to start getting judged and they think that they're right with God. And God is basically going, they're going to, they're going to cry out to God. Sort of like in Malachi, where they say, "Well, we robbed you." Right, right. And so the Lord's like, "Well, let's talk about that." <laughs> so, right. And so He says in verse two, they're going to cry out. And then it says, verse three, Israel hath cast the thing that is good, cast off the thing that is good. So, what have they done? They, they're crying, but they've cast off. And what have they cast off? God's word, God's blessing, God in general, right? And it says, uh, Israel shall cry unto me, my God, we know thee. Israel hath cast off the thing that is good, and that is the Lord. 
and the enemy shall pursue him. Now that's a turnaround again, isn't it? Instead of them chasing the enemy, now the enemy's going to chase them. Okay. Verse 4. They have set up kings, but not by me. Okay. And so, remember we talked about the kings of, of the northern tribes? Starting with Jeroboam. Let me just give you a list here. Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. He was a bad king. Then we have Nadab. He was a bad king. He was killed by Basha. The next king was, was Basha. He was a bad king. Then we have Elah, which was killed by Zimri. He was a bad king. We have another king, Zimri. It says in our list that he committed suicide. I'm not quite sure about that. But we have Omri. Okay, and so, and then we have Zimri, or that's the one we're talking about. Omri, bad king. Ahab, he's bad. Okay. Ahaziah, bad. Joram, bad king, killed by Jehu. Then you got Jehu, he's a bad king. We have Jehoaz, bad king. We have uh, Jehoash. Bad king. Jeroboam the second. Bad king. king. Zechariah. There was never any good ones. Uh, yeah, you got. There's not one good, godly king in the northern kingdom. You got Zechariah again, bad king, but he's killed by Shalom. Shalom is killed by Manahem. You've got Manahem. He actually died by natural causes, but the next king, Pekaniah, Pekaniah is killed by Pekah. Pekah was killed by Hosea. I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's like there is not one good king in the group. And all of these kings that, that were put in office, a lot of them got their, their office because of killing the king before them. Not one of them was put... And on the throne, except by Jehoram, by the Lord. Every, all the rest of them. Well, actually, Jehu was put on the throne by the Lord. Too, but, okay. Yeah. yeah, I will allow that. But I mean, the majority of them, it was just kill the king in front of you and take over. And so, in other words, they were basically not put in by the Lord, which we see in verse 3, verse 4. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. And of their silver and of their gold, they made them idols. Did they do that? Duh. I mean, the very first thing they did was those two, two golden calves, right? And so, well, let's just keep going down the list. It says, Thy calf, verse 5, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocence? See, in all this, they keep saying, Who, me, God? I mean, hey, we're going through the motions. We're, we're bringing you our sacrifices. We're doing what's right. And so they're doing the same thing they're doing in India today. They're just, they're worshiping every God under, every God there was. All the, the, the false gods along with the right God. Okay, 
Uh, verse 6 says, For from Israel was it also the workmen made it, therefore it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. So we're having a little prophecy going on here that God's going to break these two calves. Verse 7, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Okay. So, who's the whirlwind? They so, they've sown the wind, but who's the whirlwind? It's the devil, probably. No, it's actually the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's actually the Lord. I mean, you can take this a couple different directions, but it's it's actually the Lord from what I can see. Uh, let's turn over to Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 4. Let's just go to chapter 1, verse 4. It says, I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of fire. And then it goes down, and it kind of gives you that, that kind of that picture of Ezekiel of the Lord, if I'm, not, if I'm correct here. So we have that, and then turn over to Job 38, verse 1. Job 38 1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Okay. And again, we always see destruction connected with that. We always see uh, some, probably some end time prophecy somehow related to it. So we see they have sown the wind, but they reap the whirlwind. So what they sow, they're going to reap way more than what they sow. It's like when you plant things in your, like grass seed. Do you do you get more grass than the seed you sow? You hope you do. <laughs> okay. When you plant things in the garden, do you get do you get more things out than the seed you sow? You always reap more than what you sow. Not necessarily always good. Okay. All right. So we're back to Hosea. It says, let me see where I'm at. Verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock, the bud shall yield no meal. If it be, if so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles, as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. So again, we're having some prophecy right here again. They're going to be swallowed up by who? The Assyrians. They're going to go into captivity and they're going to be among the Gentiles. Verse 9. For they are gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim hath hired lovers. Now again, we see the, the term a wild ass. So what does a ass represent in the Bible? A lost man. A lost person. Okay. So... Uh, someone who's not making good decisions. Okay, Verse 10 says, Yo, they have hired among the nations, now I gather them, and they shall sorrow a little for their burden of the king of princes. So they went out and 
tried to hire mercenaries, basically, to help fight against them when the Assyrians were coming in, but it did not work for them. Because, again, who, you know, they're, they're thinking the Assyrians, or when the Assyrians do come in, because at this point they're probably thinking they're invincible and that's not going to happen. But when it gets closer to the time that the Assyrians do come in to take them into captivity, who's really behind it? It's not the Assyrians. It's God's allowing them to come in because they've disobeyed Him. Okay, And so basically, again, what we're seeing, this is just the facts of the destruction that, that we're seeing with these bullet points here. Okay, And then let's go a little farther and we'll wrap some stuff up here. We're not going to go too much farther today. But... It says, because Ethereum, verse 11, hath made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. So the very fact of them wanting to be, uh, to offer things at these idols is just, it's just flat out sin. And like I've said before, you know, they're, they're worshiping these two false calves or bulls, golden calves. Who are they really worshiping? They're worshiping Satan. It's, it's flat out. You're either worshiping the Lord or you're worshiping Satan. That's it. There's no in-between. And that's what they're doing. Okay. Verse 12 says, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. What's, what's the verbs that you see there? What's the first verb? Pronoun, maybe. I don't know. I don't know my nouns and pronouns. What's the first thing? <laughs> I, right? It says, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. God's taking this personal. He is taking this personal. He goes, I have written to him the great things of my law. But they were count, and, and again he says, "I have written to him the great things of my law." So in this point here, like I said, it, you know, Lord's getting a little upset with them, and he's taking it very personal because he is the one that gave it to him. You know, a lot of times, even in the New Testament, you know, they would talk about Moses giving the people the law. You know, the, the law came by Moses, and it's like, no, wait a minute, no, no. He was just the he just wrote it down and delivered it. Who gave it to him? It was the Lord that gave it to him. So he goes, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Verse thirteen. They sacrificed flesh for the sacrifices of mine offerings and eat it, but the Lord accepted them not. Now will he remember the iniquity and visit their sins, and they they shall return to Egypt. They're just going through the motions. That's all they're doing. They're going through the motions. And then it says, and they shall return to Egypt at the end of 13. And we've seen that a couple times already in the book of Hosea. And it doesn't really mean they're going to the country of Egypt. What's Egypt a type of? It's a type of the world. They're going to be scattered among the world. And when they are brought to Assyria, they're going to be among the Gentiles, which we already saw earlier in the chapter. And they're going to be amongst the world. They're going to be returning to Egypt. 
the world. Verse 14, For Israel hath forgotten his maker, and buildeth temples. And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. And so we saw also, all of a sudden we've been talking about Israel all the way up to the end. And finally he says here, And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. So the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin didn't go into captivity till about another 130 years later. And so God's really picking on Israel right here in Hosea and, he's, and, and dealing with the people. But then all of a sudden he throws in Judah because Judah will at some point go in apostasy just like the northern, king, the northern kingdom does because the one thing that Judah does do that's right they defend they they put defense around their cities they build they build fenced cities which was a good thing for them to do which we should be doing here in our country we should be protecting our borders that was a great thing to do and judah did that and in fact uh that mino king manasseh when when he was brought to babylon and then they brought him back to to israel one of the first things he did was fortify his boundaries which was a smart thing to do but here it's talking about them uh multiplying fenced cities they were they were fortifying themselves but they were putting their their strength and their their hope and and their faith in their defense at this point instead of the lord and so again, if if both of if both the, the the northern kingdom and the kingdom of of Benjamin of Judah and Benjamin would have just put their faith in the Lord, he would have defended them, but they didn't do it. And so, and it says, and they shall devour the palaces. So the next couple chapters we're going to continue looking at is basically just the facts of the destruction. So Hosea is kind of a bummer book at times. It's like, you know, you go along and it's just like destruction, 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 destruction. And then, uh, and then oh, well, but God will bring them back, which is great. I, and I love that because God always is he's going to uh, fulfill his covenant. But what about all the people in between? And it's the same thing like I talked about with us this morning a little earlier. We know the Lord's going to bring us out of here in the rapture, right? And that's going to be... When's that going to happen, Ron? Tomorrow? We don't know. Okay. I mean, it's, it's right around the corner. And we, and, and we need to be just thrilled with that. But at the same time, what about all the people that ha- don't have a relationship with God? And so, again, we need to just keep working on that and, and getting the gospel out and getting Bibles out and, and doing the things that we're doing. So, again... Okay, but God is always very just and everything, and He He tries to wake us up. Like, He's called the whirlwind. Think about a whirlwind. It destroys things. And, you know, we usually think of God as a loving, caring God, and we don't think about the fact that He's also... He's just, He's going to righteous, and He's going to do what He needs to do to make things right. And so if he needs the whirlwind to do it, he will use the whirlwind. So he he's always tries to wake us up. And so we've got to realize that with the people we are, you know, um, evangelizing or talking to, they need to, maybe they need to be woken up to something really. Might be bad in their lives, but in the end it's good if it gets them to God. Right. 
Right, that, and what you just said is is pretty interesting because you know God allows things to happen in our life to, to get us to to come to Him, and so you know may, maybe our country needs some things to shake it up a little bit right now because it, maybe the church is it's fallen asleep. My husband was not a believer, and I had prayed and prayed and prayed many years for him, and finally I came to the point I prayed and I remember praying this. I said, God, whatever it takes for him to become your child, I want that to happen. If that means his health, then do it. And he did it. I mean, it took all the, he was diabetic, and it became, became worse and worse and worse, and that's where he accepted God. And so, you know, I praise God for that, even though it was a hard prayer, and, but I really wanted it to come true because I wanted him to be saved. Okay. Amen. I didn't know that. That's good testimony. So yes, God will do, will bring us, you know, to the circumstances in our life to, to, to have someone give us the gospel. He won't force us to take the gospel, but he will get us to that point. And how many times does he do that? Probably over and over. And he's so good to us. And he, he, he does go the extra mile. And he, he's, like we've seen with these people, they've had chance after chance after chance. They were told back in Leviticus. They were told with Solomon. They were told after with, I mean, yeah, just how... how so many chances, but they were so blind. And so they wanted their own thing. I want to do it my way. Right. They get caught up with everything else. And they, like it says in the, in the chapter, they forgot God. They just flat forgot. They were busy doing their own thing. This is basically what's going on in our country right now. Everybody forgets God unless there's a problem. And then it's like, oh, God, if you just fix this problem, even though that's not the right prayer either. The prayer needs to be, we just need to come to God and ask Him for forgiveness. But uh, we'll continue on next week, chapter 9. We did get through chapter 8 this week, kind of haphazardly, but we did get through it. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. Help us to see the, the learn from the lessons that we see here in Hosea, Lord, in our life about uh, the people that are obedient to you and the people that are not obedient and, and because they're not that you bring judgment upon them, Lord. Just help us to, to uh, have a healthy fear of you but also to love you. And we just uh, ask for your guidance and direct us today. Pray for Pastor Brian as he preaches the main service or at whoever's preaching the main service. And Lord, just uh, we just pray that we would uh, give you honor and glory today. In Christ's name, amen. It'll be Doug Pearson. Be Doug. Okay, that's what I thought. So. Unless he's not here, then it'll be me. Then it'll be you. <laughs> okay. I'll be preaching on, on Hosea chapter 8. All right. <laughs> No, you won't. You'll do a much better job than me.